If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, joined here with Steve Cashin. Here's our first full pod with sports back. Major League Baseball opening day was yesterday. We're going to preview the NHL qualifying rounds during this pod as well. Uh, Next week, though, we'll do the NBA because it's not as close to the NBA as it is to the NHL. Uh, So we'll do NHL this week, NBA next week. But opening day was yesterday, Steve. We've been looking forward to this for months. Yes, it should have happened earlier, but getting to watch baseball yesterday was absolutely awesome. Yankees beat the Nats 4-1 to in a rain delay game six uh, in six innings, and then the Dodgers beat the Giants 8-1. to So when we take a look at this Yankee game, what were your biggest takeaways from this dub? Well, I'm glad that baseball's back. I was kind of perplexed there for a little bit, kind of in awe. Base, I'm like, can't believe I'm actually watching baseball again on my, on my TV live. These games count. It's exciting, but, but uh, last night uh, the Yankees didn't miss a beat. You know, Garrett Cole was absolute dominant, and we talked about it before he came on. You said that he said he was 100% last night, and he won't be 100% until he gets a couple starts underneath his belt. And if that's not 100%, I really don't want to know what 100% looks like because his fastball command was was right there where he left off last season. His slider was. His secondary pitches were, were just as good as his fastball command and was making guys really look off balance up there. And he made one mistake last night to Adam Eaton, giving up that one home run in the uh, fir- bottom of the first. But other than that, pretty pretty flawless uh, stat line. One hit, one run, one earned, only one walk, and uh, five strikeouts. And Stanton, too. Stanton and Judge, the two the two big guns on that in that lineup, really stepped up. Uh, produced all the runs last night and those are the guys you're going to need to have to deliver throughout the season and Stanton a big the weight of the world came off his shoulders last night after that bomb and you said it and the big gun stepped up and that's my biggest takeaway from uh, the Yanks lineup last night yeah I think you know the biggest thing for me is just we've never seen this Yankee lineup completely healthy I mean even last night it wasn't because LeMahieu is still out because of COVID they're thinking he'll be in Saturday but when I took a look at that, it's like we've never seen this lineup with everyone healthy at the same time. And if Stanton can actually be Stanton, which, I mean, even in his down year in 2018, he had 38 bombs, 100 ribbies. So it's not like even that year he was terrible. It's just because that April was so horrific where he struck out five times in a game multiple times. And then every time he struck out after that in the season, everyone just had flashbacks to April Really, it wasn't that bad of a season at the end of the day. But if he can come back and be, I mean, this year it's not going to be 35 bombs. But if he can hit 15 to 20, drive in runs, be clutch like he was last night, you know, the 459-foot home run, you know, Scherzer left a fastball right down the middle. He's going to explode on that. But what I really liked was going oppo on the RBI single uh, the other way on an outside pitch. That's not really something he would do. He always looks to pull the ball. It was nice to see him go the other way. And then with Judge, it was nice to see him drive those inside fastballs. 
That's something he always gets jammed on, and he was right on two of them. He homered against, Judge homered against Scherzer in the All-Star game last year, and then two hits off him last night, so it's awesome to see. And then, uh, you know, when I look at the Dodger game last night, uh, you know, you were talking about it. You watched more of that game than I did, but, you know, you were basically saying Betts and Bellinger as a combo is going to be lethal for a long time, especially because we haven't reported on this yet. But Mookie Betts, 12-year contract extension, I think it was $362 million. So congratulations to him and the Dodgers. It's a win on that trade for them. But, you know, seeing those two in the lineup together, uh, it kind of shocked us a little bit that Max Muncy was in the leadoff slot. But before the pod, we were talking about it. You know, maybe that's because they want to go lefty-righty, lefty-righty at the top of the lineup. You know, they went uh, Muncy, Betts, Bellinger, uh, and then... I forget who was in the four hole now, but Turner, either way, Turner Seeger, and Kike. Yeah, so they were going lefty, righty, lefty, righty. So that was good to see. And um, now Kershaw's to the IL, which is going to hurt them. So now they're down Kershaw and Price. Uh, and now they're not even starting Bueller until the Astros series, which makes sense because you don't need him pitching against the Giants. They have a terrible lineup. So he's not pitching till game five. Um, but yeah, I think um, it was great to see baseball come back last night. Dodgers were clearly better than the Giants. We already knew that. Uh, but to see the Yankees and those big boppers in that lineup get hits off Scherzer like that, great to see. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one thing about that Yankees game, too, is Scherzer didn't – I don't think he's in this form yet. Uh, we saw in – I believe it was against the Phillies. Uh, they took off against him, and they put up five, a five spot, five or six spot against him. Harper went deep off him. Uh, the stat line for Scherzer last night, five and a third, six hits, four earned, four walks. He did have 11 Ks, so the strikeout stuff is there for Scherzer. It's a command issue right now, and refine some of that, and he'll be back to you know the Mad Max we know. But until that happens, is it a concern for the Nationals? Yes, right now. I think he'll refine it. Hopefully he does, um, but... Other than that, I mean, that was the biggest takeaway from for the Nat side. Adam Eaton was the only glimmer of hope last night for the offense. Not much you can do off Garrett Cole. He had the only only hit for them uh, as well. But first game, uh, it's just you can't really take much away from what happened. Good things happened, but long season and the sky's probably falling in that in, in Washington for their fans. Oh, we did what happened? It's one game. Wasn't even a full complete nine innings, so we don't know. We didn't even get to see the bullpen come in which is another thing um, that helps the Yankees too. And throughout the rest of this series is they didn't have to use any of the bullpen guys. Same with the nationals. They got their whole arsenal ready to go. So um, in this 60 game season, we talked about it, keeping those guys fresh and one game in and no, no arms having to be used. Well, I think a big blow for the Nats is going to be Soto, uh, you know, cause right now they're basically just a lineup of, you know, complimentary players. Uh, it's not really dissing them. I mean, the best guy in their lineup right now is Trey Turner. Uh, so that's not a guy necessarily that can carry your lineup. He's a great hitter, top 10 shortstop, maybe arguably top six, top seven. But if you're asking him to carry your lineup, that's a lot. And uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that works in the next few weeks. Yeah, hearing that news uh, right before, I think it was about an hour before uh, first pitch, hour or two, and seeing Soto uh, testing positive for the virus Big blow for that lineup because that's a lot of that's a lot of run production you're going to be missing through that lineup. Who knows how long he's going to be out? It, he needs two negative tests before he gets back to playing again. Um, but the GM said 
we're uh, prepared to play without Juan for uh, an extended period. Not a great thing to hear if you're a Nats fan, but uh, you're going to have to piece together something while he's out because that's a lot of RBIs, a lot of production, uh, a deadly bat that most pitchers want to pitch around, and that really impacts the rest of that, that Nationals lineup. And we talked about in our previews is he's a guy that's going to be a catalyst for the offense throughout the season, and not having him in the lineup right now is going to be a big blow, and they're going to have to make a big adjustment if they want to you know, right the ship until he gets back. Yes, the pitching will um, – I think carry them and not make it as a big of an issue because you got such a deep staff with Corbin and Strasburg right behind uh, Scherzer, but definitely for the offensive side, going to have to find a way to get some runs um, on the board and generate something. Well, I think a reason why they shouldn't panic too much is because last night uh, or yesterday, really uh, baseball came to an agreement on an extended playoff format. So even if the Nats slump here a little bit without Soto, they'll probably still make it, you know, because there's 16 teams now. So uh, let's talk about that format before we preview the games for today. Um, yeah, I mean, that format to me, here's, here's the thing. So baseball extended the teams from 10, the normal 10, to 16, which means you're adding three teams per league. Uh, the way I look at it is I, I like it for this year. I think it's good because you have to give fans a reason to watch in a short season to where they're like, okay, what's the point of me watching my team if I know these huge teams are just going to dominate them and they're not going to make the playoffs? Well, now, you know, you can give these smaller market teams, these teams that were right on the edge, okay, now we got to watch. Now we have to watch this 60-game spread into the end because my team might actually have a chance. So I like it from that standpoint. But in the future, 16 teams is too much. I don't like over half the league making the playoffs. I think it needs to be a reward of some sort to make the playoffs. So 14 is really my absolute limit because uh, that's under 50%, obviously. Now, I'm fine with 16 if they do expansion, if they go up to 32 teams because we've heard, you know, once they get the Oakland and Tampa Bay situation solved, they're going to try and get two more expansion teams at that point. But, yeah, it's taken a decade to solve the uh, Oakland and Tampa situation, so that's not anytime soon. Um, but, yeah, so basically the format is each division, of course, the division winners will make the playoffs just as always. But now every second place team in each division will also make the playoffs. And then the seven and eight seeds will be chosen by best record. Um, so, yes, we did just do our playoff prediction pods. Of course, this stuff drops the day after we do that. Uh, but now we have some new predictions. So, Steve, uh, what are your teams now for the AL and NL? Yeah, so I was looking at it. I'm like, of course, you know, as I'm, you know, doing breaking down all the stats getting my playoff bracket you know now the playoff bracket is just completely botched but i'll keep my same world series matchup but it changes things because now that first round is a three game set um so it kind of throws a wrench in, into the into the pile but keeping the same teams now but it just adds into the mix uh with with the top two now uh the white Sox for me will be in now from the central the Washington and Atlanta for the NL East will be in. Chicago and Cincinnati. Now I don't worry about that tie. That Now they'll both yeah. be in no matter what. Dodgers and San Diego will be the two, top two. Oakland, Houston, and the AL West. Uh, New York and Tampa in the AL East should be the top two. Um, two-headed race there. But the wildcard teams after that, uh, I look at now the Angels will get in. For me, they'll sneak in. And then right behind them would be, uh, let's see, 
It'd be Cleveland. So it'd be the Angels and Cleveland in the AL for the extra wild card teams. And, and the West, or the National League, I should say, it would be Arizona and the Mets. So it kind of throws it throws in some more uh, teams in the mix, makes the playoffs interesting to me. Uh, gets more fan bases into it. It's great for this season, like you said. But I'm with you. Meet halfway and I like 14 teams it makes it so more fan bases are in it 162 games it's such a long season uh, you got to reward teams for being above 500 getting to that 90 win mark we're seeing more and more teams by the years winning 90 plus and missing the playoffs so I think Major League Baseball is stepping into the right direction to getting teams and rewarding teams um for uh, for a great season. So we'll see how this experiment works. And this is the perfect time to say it. A-Rod said it last night. This is the perfect time to try out new things. Uh, apparently they are doing the runner on second base to do the, uh, in the extra innings. So yep. I don't agree with it, but this is the year to try things if you're going to do it. 60 games, it's short. Um, and we'll see if it works out. And then you can see you can throw out what you like, what you don't like, and, and keep what you like throughout the season. So I, I like what, where MLB is going, doing the right things at the right time. Well, I can't add to the playoff predictions because we have the same teams, of course. Uh, uh, you know, on the outside of those teams, I guess, I guess I would say if I had to say, if I had to differ from you, I'd say I, I do think the Angels will make it as one of those teams. But I think if they miss, Toronto would be the team that gets in uh, if they can catch fire. And then in the NL, uh, if a team was going to slip in over someone else, it would probably be Philly or Milwaukee. Um, but I just think Philly, Milwaukee, Toronto, they're kind of on the outside looking in, even still with the 16-team format. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this is the, this is the you know year to try shit. You know, just, I mean, I guess try it. I mean, if, you, if at least you show people what it's like to have a runner on second base, to start next year innings, at least people can form an opinion and say, okay, this sucks, or okay, this is actually kind of cool. But if we never got to see that, it's kind of just people talking about hypotheticals. Uh, so that's why it is a good idea to just try things this year. Same thing with the Universal DH. It was really nice watching a Dodger game, at, you know, last night with their full potential of a lineup, you know, and having AJ Pollock in there at DH. That was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that, that's how uh, I view that stuff. But now we look at the games for today. Uh, so there's actually some pretty good matchups. Braves-Mets at 410. Soroka against DeGrom. I'll be watching that one. Uh, at 640, your Rays are hosting the uh, Blue Jays. Ryu against Morton. Um, let's see. Any other good games here? Seven Brewers-Cubs at 7 is pretty good. Um, Rangers are hosting their first game at their new stadium. So I'll check that out just to see what the stadium looks like. I know a lot of people have complained about it because it's kind of generic, uh, but I want to see it. Uh, Twins White Sox is actually really good. Yeah, I'll be watching that one. Um, and then D-backs pods tonight will be pretty good too. And uh, I guess, yeah, I'll watch Angels A's too. I mean, there, there's, I mean, in a 60-game season, I'm willing to watch a lot of these games. Yeah, you look at it now, and it's, it's a built-in playoff, like we said, throughout 60 games. It's a sprint to the finish. Every game matters. Now that the expanded playoffs um, have been implemented for sure, it makes every game count even more. Uh, it, it make It's going to be exciting to watch every night. You look at the slate, and from, from the games we just read off, there, there's about seven or eight there that I'm willing to go, hey, let's see what it's about. And 
in a short season too, you, even the Marlins, I want I'm interested to see how how they kind of come out of the gate and can who comes out hot and which team's going to take a step back. That's my biggest takeaway from the first 10 games of this season. Who's going to be that team that no one saw coming out of the gate and is going to surprise people? And I kind of want to see where the bottom teams end up. Do the Roy- the Royals even Mike Matheny's the the head coach now and how are they going to come out of the gate? So um, few good uh, matchups here. I, I really want to watch that A's game later um, at 10-10. It's on ESPN, and I'll be watching the Braves and Mets. That's going to be a, uh, a good pitching duel there, Soraka and uh, DeGrom going at it. So, um, in, in the race at 640, so really a ton of baseball to watch, and it's like Christmas Day for me. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just tons of baseball, and and I'll, I'll be I'll be up until till 1, 132 uh, watching every game. Uh, do you have uh, MLB.tv? Yeah, I got the new package yeah, uh, in, this, in the yeah. offseason. I was going to do it. I was planning on a full uh, 162 game slate. That's why I got it. But I, at least I'll be able to still watch every game. And, and it'll make him. I'll have a split screen, probably three TVs going, watching <laughs> everything. And we got the Fantasy Baseball League going, too. Uh, my team yeah. didn't put up any points last night. LeMay, he didn't play, obviously. Um, but, yeah, today will be a big day for for the teams and and get going yeah absolutely so now let's move on and do this nhl stuff we haven't talked about hockey but actual games in hockey uh for quite some time and by the way before we start that you, you mentioned the royals uh matt harvey is uh getting close to signing with the royals i don't know why i mean he's basically sucked for four or five years now but hey it's the royals they're giving him a chance so uh, let's see the NHL. We'll start with the Western Conference. We're not going to do the full bracket um, because, to be quite honest with you, uh, I can't pull up the Bracket Challenge website. I don't know why it's not working for me, and uh, it's not plugging in who's going to go in next in these matchups. So we'll just go qualifying round only to not confuse us here. Uh, so first playoff matchup, the five Oilers against the 12 Blackhawks. Uh, I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. I think the Oilers take this one pretty easily they have two mvps on their team uh one of them that's probably going to win it leon dreisaitl he's up for the heart this year um do you think the oilers same thing here yeah i i think it's going to be an overwhelming matchup for chicago yeah you got leon dreisaitl Connor mcdavid uh nugent hopkins and then you go down the list and the depth they got over chicago you got zach castian uh darnell nurse uh, james neal oscar clefbaum so to me, I don't see the, the Blackhawks being able to score enough goals to, to beat the Oilers. McDavid has looked like another, a completely different player in this past, uh, you know, and in, in, since training camp has taken off. And do I think Kane and Taves are, are what they used to be superstars when they when they were winning cups? No, they can still score, but just not enough depth on that Chicago side. Goaltending's been an issue. So to me, I think Oilers win that one. Uh, it's a five-game set, so I think they take it 3-1. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you sent me that video of uh, McDavid in in practice, just literally just skating past every single person on the ice. It, it's sick. I mean, this guy is just all world. Yeah, he he's a top end talent, and I think people are finally starting to take an appreciation of how how good McDavid is, and and just how effortless he makes it seem. And he goes out there every time, and every time he touches the puck, you're you're on the edge of your seat wondering what's he going to do? Is he going to go between the legs? What's going to happen here? And um, 
it's, it's just it's just amazing to watch as a hockey fan and and for the love of the game it's 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 good for for the NHL to have a, a superstar like that and real quick too so we were talking about the matchups so yeah we won't know really who moves on to what because the round robin is going on as these qualifying rounds are being played oh, so right. that's right so okay. we won't know when so, so the top 4 seeds aren't determined set in stone yet so and that begins August uh August 3rd, so we won't know until okay. a few days later. Um, I believe the Lightning and the Lightning and Capitals kick off the qual- the round robin for the East. So that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, we'll there's gonna be uh, it's gonna be quite a lot of hockey. And Kane and Patrick Kane even said it the other day. It's gonna be like March Madness. You got Pretty hockey much. from yeah. You got hockey from 12 noon until 10 o'clock at night. You have a game every two hours. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun to watch. You're gonna have that baseball going at the same time. I, I can't wait. It's gonna be a whirlwind to watch. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, before we preview the next matchup, what do you think of uh, the Seattle Kraken? I, I like it. I'm a fan. <laughs> some people, some people weren't like, bought into the name. Why are they the Kraken? The jerseys are ugly. Like what else do you want them to name? I got, the Kraken's kind of cool. I think it's kind of badass. If you're if you're asking me, like I think of Pirates of the Caribbean, that giant Kraken destroying ships and shit. Yeah. And, uh, like what do you want them to be? The Seattle Fish? Like, uh, but the the jerseys are sick. The the the, the gear concept. They, the, someone released like a, a set of goalie pads and the and the gloves and stuff. It's gonna be a it's a cool color scheme and it'll grow on people. Everyone didn't like the Golden Knights when they came out with their with their stuff and. Now they're one of the most popular jerseys uh, in the NHL, so I like it. What about you? Oh, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. And uh, for people that but we didn't preface it, they are the 32nd NHL team coming into the league in expansion. Uh, not this year, obviously. Not next season either. It's the season after next season. So that's 2021-2022 uh, season. But, yeah, I, I fucking love it. I think it's cool. Um, Seattle is a perfect place for hockey, too. Because it's it's right near Canada, it's up north. A lot of people play it there anyway, and uh, to give them an NHL team, I think it's smart, and I think it sets up the return of the NBA there as well. Now that they're they built a new arena there, they have the facility, so I think it's awesome. But yeah, I, I think the uniforms dope. I love the colors, um, and, and you know, I, I I just love the marketing around it, the branding around it. So uh, I really I can't wait till they uh, enter the league because. You know, when they enter, it's going to go even on both sides mm-hmm. of the conferences finally. So there's finally an equal chance for uh, both conferences to make the cup. And, you know, that's something that you can actually say now because, remember, the Golden Knights' first season, they went to the Stanley Cup final. So we, we can't really take that out of the equation for the Seattle Kraken. So those fans from day one, they might be engaged right away because that draft lottery really can put your team in a great position to win. Yeah, and it's funny because I was talking about last night, and the Knights now are going to be in the playoffs for the third year in a row with yeah. uh, the, with this season. So talk about a spoiled fan base from from the get go. They made they went to the comp, they went to the Cup final and got beat by the Caps in, in I think it was five games. It was five games uh, last year. They get beat in Game Seven by the Sharks. Uh, bad call. They're up three nothing. Game Seven, six minutes left. Sharks score four straight goals. They lose in overtime. And now this year they're back in the playoffs. So who knows where this team can go? The, the NHL lottery uh, or the expansion draft, I should say. 
it, it's set up for success for these these new teams. And I don't know if they they've modified the draft this year. I think they said they were kind of tone it down just a little bit, just because you can't have an expansion team. To me, you can't have that team come into the league and just be set in stone right away and be a, a, a contender. To me, you've got to have to. You're, you can't. You not rock bottom, but you can't be set up with just pure talent. And that's what Vegas was given. They were given a solid number one in Mark Andre Fleury from Pittsburgh, yeah. and then they got Bill Carlson from from Columbus. March or so, you go down the list, and that team was. They were no expansion team. They were a team set to contend and be in the playoffs from day one. And who knows? Maybe Seattle drafts really well, and those fans be ready because. Hockey's the hockey play nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs and if you're in if you're in the mix you never know what can happen and and, uh, and it, it all it takes is one one run and and a chance at the cup and it'll be exciting for that that city to get a hockey team finally. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, now we move on to the six v eleven matchup uh, and we have Nashville and Arizona. It, it might shock some people, but I, I actually have Arizona here. I, I like them. Uh, I think. They, they took some time to kind of acclimate as a team together when they got Taylor Hall. Um, but I think there's just a, a lot of talent there that can't be denied. I still like Ekman Larson. Um, you know, they still have Domi. I, I think they're, they're a really talented team. Phil Kessel, Derek Stepan. Uh, you know, they, they really do have a good offense. Um, you know, but, and Nashville, too, they don't score a lot of goals. Their highest point getter is Roman Yossi on the D side. So, you know, you look at that Predators offense, it's not exactly lethal. And, you know, their goaltender situation in Nashville, Pecorine is not the same guy that he's been in the past. So when I look at Arizona, I look at a little team here sneaking in. They get, they have some superstar talent with Taylor Hall. Uh, I, I like what I'm seeing from them. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up the, uh, the Coyotes active roster right here right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I like the Coyotes in this layoff, too. I do like Arizona here just because I think they can. They're a sneaky team. They, 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 play, they play good defense. Goaltending, they have Antti Ranta. And Darcy Kemper, I think, will be back. Uh, he was injured there for a, a slight bit, and they kind of took a little hit there. With, yeah, with Kemper was really well. I think his, his uh, GAA was right at a two if not under a two i think it was like a one nine five i believe but having taylor hall phil kessel um in the defensive side you have ekman larson jelmerson and uh galagoski at that on that blue line so that defensive pairings with nashville they can go head to head with them and i give the edge to, to arizona because of the offense purely and you can in the playoffs it becomes so tight and you're going to find ways to score. And I think Arizona can, can get that little edge with, with the playmakers they have. I just don't see, I don't see Nashville being able to muster enough offense to beat and you know, to win in a, in a, in a, in a full series in a five game set, but who knows? It, it's been such a big layoff. We, we don't know how these teams are going to react, but not a big fan of Pecorine as of late. Uh, he has a great game. Uh, has a shutout and then comes out and gives up a five spot. So if he can be consistent, then we'll have a, a slugfest. And I think that that series can has have the potential to go to go five. But as of right now, I have a I have Arizona in four. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with you. And and to look at Kemper's stats here this year, two point two two GAA, nine twenty eight save percentage. That's great. And not just this year, the year before too, he had a two point three three GAA. 
925 save percentage in 1819. So this is two years in a row that even at 30 years old, he's kind of catching on late, six foot five. And, uh, you know, even if he can't go, Ronta is a good enough replacement. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like Arizona here. Uh, moving on to the 7v10. Uh, this is this one's clear cut for me, too. Uh, Vancouver versus uh, Minnesota. I'm taking Vancouver all the way. Uh, I love that they're kind of like the Rangers West for me. Uh, they have a lot of young talent mixed in with some other guys. Uh, you have JT Miller this year popping off 27 goals, 45 assists. Um, they have Elias Peterson, 27 goals, 39 assists. Bo Horvat's got 53 points. Uh, Brock Besser's got 45. Tanner Pearson, they acquired in a trade. Nice veteran, uh, or not, they didn't acquire him in a trade. Sorry, that was Tyler Toffoli. Um, but then on the defense, Quinn Hughes, uh, you could argue he could win best defenseman of the year. Uh, and, you know, they also have Alex Edler, Tyler Myers, Tanev. Uh, and then in goal, I like Jacob Markstrom. So the problem with me to Minnesota is that every year, they think they're a playoff team, which obviously this year they are now with the qualifying round, and they always try to buy, they always try to get in there, and then they always lose in the first round. So this is a team that always thinks that they can get there, but they're never good enough. I mean, you just look at this roster. When Kevin Fiala is your leading goal st- scorer, that's that's not good. You know, you've got Eric Stahl, a vet, Zach Parise, a vet, Zuccarello, a vet. You know, they're, they're too old for me. Uh, I, I don't I don't see it with Minnesota. Nothing really stands out to me with Minnesota. They, they're always there every year. We talked about it um, in previous pods before we were, before the new playoff format. We were talking about Minnesota, and they just don't have that it factor for me. They don't have something that stands out and flashes like, oh, hey, they got this guy. Like you look before the Oilers, before the Oilers got Leon Draisaitl, and they paired them up, and they started going off. You thought of Edmonton, and you were like McDavid. That was the guy. You look at Minnesota, who do you think of at first? Don't really think of a guy. You don't, mm-hmm. Devin Dubnik, the goaltending who's been up off and on. Uh, you think of, I mean, Parise was the guy in Minnesota. But now he's getting older. And with Fiala being your leading point scorer at 54 points, I just don't see them being able to, once again, the theme here so far in his first matchup is the other teams are just being overwhelmed by offense. These teams aren't going to have enough to get by. Uh, their opponents just because they can't score enough. And on the back end, Dubnik's not having the best of years. They've been splitting time with with him. And uh, let's see, who's the backup here at Minnesota? They got... Um, I think Stalock. Yeah, Stay, yeah, it's Stalock. They went Stalock, Dubnik, and Kakinen. And so they're, you're juggling th- time with three goalies here. It hasn't been consistent. Stalock is 20-11-4, and, and Dubnik is sitting at 12, 15, and 2. So Staylock will be the guy, I think, for Minnesota going into wow. the uh, qualifying round. But Vancouver, to me, uh, they, they're just going to – I think they're going to go off. This could be a clean sweep here in, in uh, this this best of five. JT Miller having one of his best years as of yet. Uh, what my favorite NHL player, have his lightning jersey. We don't want to talk about it. I bought it, and he gets traded. <laughs> So he's 72 points, 27 goals, 45 assists. He's their, he's their guy. Elias Patterson uh, with 30, 39 assists, uh, 66 points. One of their young guns. He's going to be a, a force for years to come. Quinn Hughes, a Calder, uh, Calder candidate. Can't say enough about this team. They're, they're young. They're, come, they're up and coming. Like I said, like the Rangers of the West, Brock Besser even on there. And 
just enough, just a lot of good things going for this Canucks team, and they'll they'll advance to the next round. Uh, I think very uh, they'll hand, very handily in this series. Yeah, and and one thing I was just thinking about as you were talking about Minnesota is like, you know, imagine how what 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 they could do if they freed up the Parise and the Suter and the Dubnik money. They could have spread it around everywhere, but they signed Parise and Suter to 11-year contracts back in the day, and then they locked up Dubnik to a seven- or eight-year deal, I believe. They're they're kind of stuck here, really stagnant, so just poor management of money. But now we move on to that 8-9 matchup. This will be, to me, the closest matchup of them all. Uh, you got Calgary and Winnipeg, 8-9 uh, here. Uh, this one, you know, I, I like Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg, to me, I've always liked them because they have size and they have scoring talent. Uh, and in the playoffs, you need to have size. So you look at uh, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Liney. These are big guys. Uh, you have Mark Shifley, 29 goals, 44 assists. Connor Hellebuck, great in net, 257 GAA, 922 save percentage. Um, I really like the Winnipeg Jet. Kyle Connor, too, 38 goals, 35 assists. Uh, this is a loaded team offensively. And then I look at Calgary. Uh, they're a little bit on the shorter end. You know, you have Tuchuk. He's really talented, but he's not that big. Goudreau, really short guy. You know, they're, the, Calgary's not as physical to me to, to go up against Winnipeg in this particular matchup. I like Calgary overall as a team, but against Winnipeg specifically, I don't think I like them that much. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this series. because uh, Just because of the fact that uh, the Jets were very up and down throughout the year they were kind of trying to figure things out started off pretty well went through a little tough rough stretch there where the goaltending was an issue couldn't find the back of the net and uh and as of late for for uh the, the pause happened for for covid they they started to figure things out again they were on the right track and at the time i would say the jets but i kind of like the, the flames in the series just because i think they're out for revenge they're they're like on the, they're on the same page as tampa with you know getting knocked out early uh, first round exit, not too pleased. I think they're out to, to, to prove people wrong that they that they last year was kind of a fluke and and uh, out for blood again. I just like Kachuk uh, at that top line, Gaudreau, uh, Lindholm at center, and yeah. So like I said, I like that first uh, that first pairing with Kachuk, Gaudreau, Lindholm, and then I go to the deep pairs with uh, Giordano, Anderson, and and uh, Hannafin there. So I maybe undersized with this Calgary Flames team. But going up with that speed, I think Calgary can get the job done. I like David Riddich, two in goal. He's 24-17-6 and with a 2.97, 9.07 save percentage. It could be a battle. You could give the nod to Hellebuck and, and give him the edge. Vesna, Vesna finalist at 31-21-5, six shutouts on the year. He, when he finds, finds some heat, he, a tough goaltender to get, get a puck by, but... This series could be a—it's going to be a battle. I think this is going to be the first one I think go, that goes five out of the ones we've talked about, and really going to be back and forth. The two teams are, I think, evenly matched up, um, but Winnipeg could really take the seat here and really push forward and press Calgary with with the star power they have with Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Line. You even got Ehlers there on the left hand side uh, of the wing and. Just go down the line for Winnipeg. If they re- if everything lines up right, get goaltending from Hellebuck at the right time, and Lion A steps up and all those guys produce, you could be talking about here a pretty handily series win for Winnipeg, but I just don't see that happening with such a long layoff in this season. 
I just don't know how anyone's going to come out and really have an edge on anyone. It's going to be a feel-out process for the first couple games, in my opinion. All right, so we're split on that series. So let's move on to the uh, East here. We got Pittsburgh-Montreal. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this one. Pittsburgh, probably a sweep, I would say. Yeah, to to me, when this whole playoff format came out and I saw Montreal in, they're they're a textbook 500 team this year. Carey Price isn't the Carey Price we've seen in in years past. Uh, Just don't – I don't think Montreal has enough – offense again to to overpower a, a Pittsburgh Penguins team with Crosby Malkin, Jake Getzel, uh, Matt Murray uh, in between the pipes. Just I don't see that happening for Montreal. Good that they're in. They'll get some exposure in the playoffs with some young guys and uh, Drew in on the Canadian side. He maybe uh, be able to make turn something into uh, into nothing. Uh, Max Domi on that side, but just not enough there to to knock down a Pittsburgh Penguins team that. One back-to-back cups not too long ago. Oh, that was my bad then. Earlier I said uh, Domi was on the Coyotes. I totally forgot he got traded to uh, Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Domi's yeah. on. Domi's there. Yeah, he. I. I. He's been there for what two? I think a couple years now in, in Montreal. But yeah, um, yeah. He's he's one of their guys that he's always in someone's face, uh, stirring up uh, something, getting his team going. But I think Penguins three out here. Uh, maybe. Canadians get one underneath their belt, but a lot of big, big mountain to climb for Montreal if they want to keep this a series. Well, now I got to put uh, my bias aside for a second because we got uh, Carolina and my New York Rangers here. Carolina, the sixth seed, Rangers, the 11 seed. Um, the Rangers went three and zero versus the Hurricanes in the regular season. Um, you know what? Fuck it. They're going to go three zero here in this series too. Uh, the New York Rangers. I'm telling you, man. They, they, are, they are a team to reckon with. They are a team to be scared of. This is a team with a ton of offensive talent, talent that I think the Hurricanes can't match. You look at the Hurricanes, okay, Ajo's a great player, but Artemi Panarin, who's up for the Hart Trophy, and Mika Zibanejad, who's now a top-10 center for sure in the league, they're both better to me than Ajo. You look at the periphery players, you have Shmechnikov and Tara Vinen for Carolina, I'd rather take Strom and Kreider and Buchnevich and Kako and Heedle over all of Carolina's periphery players. You look at Carolina's defense. Well, look at the Rangers' right side of their defense. You have Truba Fox D'Angelo. That's one of the best right-handed sides of the defense in the NHL. So, you know, you have one of the best duos with Panarin and Zibanejad, one of the best right sides of the defenses with Truba Fox D'Angelo, and even on the left side of the Rangers' defense, it's not where it's going to be in a year or two from now because they have prospect Keandre Miller, six foot four, two twenty on the way. Uh, you know, right now though, they still have Mark Stahl. You know, plugging away. I still like Mark Stahl. Um, so you know, especially in goaltender too, Igor Shosturkin. He came in, lit the league on fire with his goaltending. He was dominant in Russia, dominant in the AHL. Came to the NHL. He's the same guy in all three places. So you look at the Rangers, they have superstar talent everywhere. They've got good periphery players. And when you look at Carolina, sure, they have a lot of players on defense, but none of them are necessarily elite. Dougie Hamilton's not the guy he used to be. Brady Shea is totally overrated. That's why the Rangers traded him. Uh, You know, Noah Hannafin, he's decent. Uh, You know, so outside of Ajo, Shmechnikov, and Taravainen on Carolina, I, I don't see much. And the Rangers beat them three times in the regular season. 
Yeah, um, I don't know if it would be a clean sweep. I think the I think Carolina has enough discipline defensively to get a win. But I I too like the Rangers. They're 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 a team behind the Lightning who I really like to follow, just because they play the same similar style. They play up tempo. They really go. They look to score. Guys, the same players too, right? The South yeah. Rangers. It's like the farm system. We like we give each other our, our our players. Hey, you take you take JT. We'll take JT Miller. We'll give you a Nemestica. It's it's a it's a constant. You know, the GMs have something going on there. They're always flopping players. But uh, Rangers South down here for sure. Um, but I do like the Rangers. They were playing. We were talking about it before the the season went on a pause. They were playing great hockey. They were hunting teams down. They were right there on the edge. Could have been the eight seed coming in if we had a, a, a full season. Uh, might have ended up short, but this team, uh, they got a lot of young talent. you got a Hart, Hart Trophy finalist in Artemi Panarin, 95 points, 63 assists. I mean, 32 goals as well on top of that. Just lights out this year. He translated really well from Columbus. Uh, Mika Zibanejad missed some time this year uh, for a brief stint. He hasn't missed a beat. 41 goals. 34 assists, then you go down the list, and Booch Navish, I like Chris Kreider a lot, one of my favorite guys on the Rangers, Jesper Faust, you've got a ton of depth guys, and then you go to the defensive side, Truba, D'Angelo on the backhand side, and then you got Brendan Lemieux, who I like, uh, he, he's a little bit of a sandpaper guy, too, yeah. he doesn't really go out there and, and create a whole lot of offense, but he does get in people's faces, he, he sticks up for his guys, and you need those sandpaper guys like a Tom Wilson. He went and fought Tom Wilson in the middle of the year and got his face beaten in, but six up those guys in, in the playoffs. You need those guys to really galvanize your group, and this this Rangers team is uh, could be one that is like Carolina last year, who people kind of write off, oh, they're young, they're not going to get it done. Surprise a lot of people, and this Rangers team, I think, does win this Series 3-1, move on in the next round. We don't know who they'll face, but with that goaltending, like you said, uh, who was their number one throughout the whole year before? Because um, before Igor, uh, they were using, um, well, Lundqvist was, so they were basically using Lundqvist and Georgiev yeah. split time. And, and, you know, that's one part of the Rangers that I've been pretty frustrated with is how they've handled Henrik Lundqvist after being with the franchise for so long, just basically shoving him to the side. Um, you know, it's been kind of disrespectful in my eyes and, uh, you know, I, I would not doubt if they give him away in the regular in the off season, I mean, because they need cap space and he's got a lot of cap space and he's on his final year next year. I wouldn't be shocked if he wants out and it would honestly help the Rangers in their cap situation. But yeah, you know, Georgiev was the dude before Igor. Yeah. So Georgiev, he, he held the fort down there, um, before Igor came in and I'm looking at Igor's stats right now and. 10 and 2 with a 252 and 932 save percentage. Uh, he was riding a really hot hand, and if he can translate that that gameplay to the playoffs, obviously playoffs is, is a different animal, games at a different pace. But if if he can translate that to the to this playoff round and qualifying series, they'll they'll be in. And uh, like I said, goaltending it's a huge part huge part of you know, a, a big a cup run. And if you can get a, a solid hand back there with the talent that they have up front in those first three lines, watch out for New York. Well, the other New York team I'm not watching out for at all, the New York Islanders. 
they they just don't score goals. I mean, you know, you got Barzal, and then off the top of my head, I mean, a casual fan, can you even name anyone else on that offense? I mean, I, I respect that they keep winning. They're a good team, uh, but I, I just look at their offense. I'm not really scared of anyone, and uh, I'll take a look at their stats here just to prove the point. Do I not have the Islanders on here? Yeah, we'll have to pull up their roster, but uh, I just want to have the stats there just to prove my point. But yeah, Barzal was he he carried yes he he carried that team in a sense, but not really. He he had he had his stretches of the season where it was kind of up and down where he went ice cold. And I have Barzal's stats right here. He went 19 goals, 41 assists, leading leading point score at 60 points uh, throughout the year. Then your next best score is Brock Nelson with. 26 and 28 at 54 points. Then Josh Bailey at 43 points. Anders Lee 43 points. I mean Jordan yeah. Eberle at 40. So it drops off very. It drops off heavily. They they mirror image the uh, Carolina Hurricanes with. They sit back. They really stick to playing defense. Uh, and that's really not going to – yes, that, that can get the job done in a, in a series, but eventually when you run to a team that can score and push the pace like the Panthers do in this series, you can't rely just on it. You need to score goals to win in this league. It's just the bottom line. Yeah, and, and you know, you really look at the Islanders' record, it's 35-33-10, and 10, uh, which means, you know, there were 10 ties in there. You know that 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 record is not really that great. That's a 500 win loss record by itself. You factor in the ties in there, and you know you're basically an under 500 team at, at that point. Um, so, and when I look at the Rangers the, as well, you know their record, and and I'll pull it up here. They don't have a lot of uh, overtime losses. So that that's a big thing that I look at with teams. How many OT losses do you have? Because you know if those were counted as actual L's. Your, your record would look a lot different. But, you know, back to the Panthers, they have a great offense. Um, you know, they were right there with Toronto in terms of scoring goals. Uh, just a ton of talent. Obviously, you know, if CJ were here, uh, he'd be, you know, clamoring about the Panthers. He's a big fan. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I I do think the Panthers win this series. I, you know, I, I'll give the Islanders some respect. I'll say it'll go five. I'll give the Panthers a 3-2 edge. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Two Panthers around 500, and the record doesn't lie. They they had some they had some tre- stretches here throughout the season where things weren't going right. They had lapses on defense. Forwards aren't producing like they were early in, in, in certain stretches of the year. Bob had some up and down stretches as well. Just a very up and down team for this Florida Panthers uh, uh, hockey club and. The, the Islanders do know how to win the playoffs. Barry Trotz will have them ready to go. Uh, I do see this going five as well. Um, it's it's who's gonna who in game five who's gonna be the guy who's gonna be the who's gonna be the hero who's gonna step up. Which goaltender is gonna play better? Is Thomas Grice gonna be the guy or Sergei Bobrovsky gonna be the guy and, and and show up like he did last year against the Lightning and just being a brick wall? So if they get playoff Bob, the Panthers could be scary. They could be a team that you don't want to be facing with the top-end talent they have with Huberdeau, Barkov, Hoffman, and Dadanoff. Uh, but my biggest takeaway from the series is can the Florida Panthers defense hold the fort in a series? Can they can they hold down the top weapons on each team, whether it's the Islanders or they move on and play Tampa or they play Toronto? Can they 
step up to the challenge. I think they can. The series goes five. As of right now, I give the edge to the New York Islanders. All right, so you're picking my least favorite team in the NHL to win this series. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets and Toronto Maple Leafs series now. So Maple Leafs are eight, Columbus nine. You know, if this playoff series had started in April, I would have definitely went Toronto. I'm still going to go Toronto. But now the, the Columbus Blue Jackets have their injured guys back mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. You know, Josh Anderson, Dubinsky, Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson, Oliver, Oliver Bjorkstand, all those guys are back. Combine that with Wierenski, uh, you know, with Wenberg, Boone Jenner. They, you know, they've got, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Corpus Allo and Merz Lincolns are a nice goaltender uh, combo there. I don't know which one will play because Corpus Allo had 37 games. Merz Lincolns had 33. So who knows which one they put in there? Probably Merz Lincolns because his stats were better in less games. But, I mean, damn. I mean, Columbus has a pretty loaded roster. I just think, you know, you, you have to get that chemistry back. You know, because this team really didn't play together this year. And then to kind of get chemistry within a five-game series is, is too much to ask, in my opinion. Yeah, right now I, I have Toronto getting the edge in this series just because they have a ton of talent that has, <clears throat> like you said, played together all year. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you can't write off this Columbus team, and I don't think anyone will be writing them off. Uh, some guys, they're getting, they're getting Seth Jones back from his ankle injury. Uh, Texier. Is coming back. Oliver Bjorkstrand, Josh Anderson, Cam Atkinson. Look at those guys that they were missing for that point, that stretch of the year where Merce Lincolns was going off and, and holding the fort down. Now you add those guys back in the mix. If Elvis can be playing the way he was playing, with that he was playing at a 13-9-8 record, two, three, five goals against. Keep that, keep that pace. If he's the number one, if Corpusalo comes in as the guy, whichever, both were were really solid, but. Get Seth Jones back on that D-line. Maybe can hold down Austin Matthews, hold down a Casper captain in Mitch Marner, Nylander. But here's the thing. You play devil's advocate and uh, you name all those superstars for Toronto. How are you going to hold those guys down for exactly. a game? So right now I just don't see how Columbus is going to be able to, to handle all that pressure up front. I mean, Toronto can just throw it at you at once, and it's very overwhelming. Before you know it, you look up, it's 0-0, yeah, you're playing a great game, and then boom, in a, in a snap of a finger, it's 3 nothing, and you're like, what the hell happened? So uh, right now, I like this Toronto team. Uh, Anderson, I don't think enough guys, are people are giving him credit. Uh, he has 29 wins in the year, uh, two eight five goals against, and a 909 save percentage, but uh, this will be a good series. I think this is going to be the more slept-on series throughout this whole qualifying round, and, and we'll see how each team gets out of the gate. We just don't know how each team's going to take this layoff and we'll see how it translates. Yeah. It's a big thing too. Cause you know, you could pick all you want, but there could be some teams that just aren't mentally there that aren't physically there. We really have no idea. So, you know, we also don't know now the COVID cases have been really low for the NHL. I think only two, um, but who knows? I mean, more could happen. Some pl- teams could lose players due to that once they're all looped together. Cause none of them have actually traveled to the hub cities yet. So, you know, we got to wait for that, see if those guys acclimate to that. Because, you know, let's say, for instance, the Lightning get to Toronto and, you know, someone goes down with COVID. That's a big deal. So, you know, yeah, it it would be Stamkos. He gets injured every time he hits the ice. He's he's the Aaron Judge of hockey. I I don't even like I I don't follow 
any lightning reporters on Twitter because I know something bad happened. I'll get a tweet. Oh, Stamkos broke his ankle coming off the plane. Of course. <laughs> I mean, he's back on the ice now. Let's just hope he stays healthy. I mean, the poor guy can't somehow can't stay healthy when it comes to crunch time, the most important part of the year. And it's just, to me, it's typical of being a Lightning fan. It's part of it, I guess. It's unreal. It's unreal. So I can't wait uh, for hockey to get back. We'll, of course, talk about those other top four seeds uh, when we get closer to that period of time. And like I said at the beginning of the pod, uh, we'll preview the NBA qualifying rounds next week. And uh, I might do a little pod with just you and uh, my friend Adam. He's a big Lightning fan. Uh, I've been telling him for a few weeks that uh, I needed to get him on to talk about them. So we could do a little lightning team pod and then uh, I'll probably do a little Ranger one too uh, with my dad maybe. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, you'll look Adam Kupferman. He's, he plays hockey uh, in high school now in college too. So uh, he'd be a good guy to have on. And uh, we're texting all the time about hockey. I'm like, you know, we got to get you on. We got to get you on. And then we've had so many delays. So uh, be a good time to do it sometime next week uh, for those lightning fans out there. And, uh, yeah, I'll be waiting for 4 o'clock today when the baseball games get back on. I'll be watching for the rest of the night. What about you? I've got a bold prediction today. I'm on back on the sports book, and last night we are 1-0 on the year so far. The Yankees get wow. Yankees money line hit, and we're rolling. So, um, you know, we'll see. I got the Orioles today over the Boston Red Sox. Oh! My biggest my biggest upset pick of the day, Michael Shapiro, you pigeon, you laughing at me now, but your starting rotation is dog shit, and you have Nathan Avoldi coming today. Orioles jump all over the Red Sox. Hammer it. Oh, man. I, I mean, that that's a great bet, man. I, I really – I'm going to watch that game now just because of that. It has a lot of worth. It has a lot of worth in it, and we'll see what we'll see what happens. And uh, I could be completely wrong. They could get the doors knocked off them, but we'll see. I, I really like. I, I just feel it's something about it. I'm feeling confident with it today, but we'll see. It'll, it'll make it interesting to watch that game. Hey, was Shapiro one of those delusional Red Sox fans that thought Mookie was coming back after this season? Yeah, he's just butthurt that uh, that Mookie signed that massive contract. He's coming at my throat yesterday in our in my in these Rays fans in a uh, in this group chat that we have, and he's like, "Oh, the Rays, little brother Rays, uh, won't you? You made the playoffs. Congratulations! You know, just because we spend fifty million and we can keep up with you, that's saying something, man. Exactly. Wait till we get our wait till we get our stadium in Tampa, get our payroll up, and we'll be a force to be reckoned with. A World Series on the way, if not this year." Um, just people sleep on the Rays, and he sleeps on the Rays, and fuck the Red Sox. I hate them with a passion, burning passion. Everyone hates the Yankees. I like the Yankees 20 times more than the Red Sox. Fuck Boston, and that's all I got for that. I mean, hey, if it tells you anything, we had the 16-team playoff, and we didn't even consider Boston for 16, so... They're really not that good of a fucking team. They're in the back of my mind. Like we said, we talked about it. They are Their rotation is Orioles level, and that's why I give them the even edge. They have the offense, but their pitching staff, I don't know. I can not I can barely name you four guys on that, on that pitching staff and that roster, even that bullpen. They are just not there for me. So good luck winning 28 games this year, Boston. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I uh, can't wait to see it, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll release this pod now. we we, we got to wrap this up so we can release it so people can listen before the games today. 
Um, yeah, excited baseball's back. We talked about NHL. Uh, you can listen to this pod on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, a bunch of other places as well. Follow us on Twitter at Strict, not not, not that username, sorry, at Strict Sports FAU on Instagram and Facebook at Strictly Sports FAU. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.